0: It's time for episode 291 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's older than it's ever been, and now it's even older. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet by my delightful pal and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing, Micah? I am doing well. I am
1: also older, and so are you.
0: Yeah, no, I I know, and I'm about to be older still. <laughs> uh, today we have, of course, two wonderful guests, as we always do, and this week they are, to my left, a tech editor and reporter from CNN It's my former colleague from Macworld, Heather Kelly. Welcome back, Heather. Hello, hello. And to my left, it's Emoji
1: Historian and Chief Emoji Officer at Emojipedia. Let me say emoji one more
2: time for Jeremy Burge. (laughs) Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Micah. Hello, Dan. And hello, Heather, for our annual Clockwise Catch-Up. This is just where we we just come over here to to catch up. It's the only place we have. That's
0: true. That's true. And we do it in just 30 minutes because we're really efficient. So I'm going to kick things off uh, with a rumor that just started circulating a day or so ago that the iPads update this year, uh, the new version of iOS, will support cursors, mouses, mouses, mice, (laughs) uh, mice, trackpads, pointing devices, etc. And so my question for you is, is that something that you want on your iPad? Or do you think it's not really necessary? Where do you come down on that kind of thing? Heather, why don't we start with you?
3: Oh, goodness. I mean, early on, we were like, this could replace a computer, but oh, no, there's no mouse. I, I kind of think we've all moved on, though, and we just accept iPads for what they are, which are like little entertainment boxes for your children in restaurants, and he doesn't need a mouse. But um, I mean, I'd give it a try, and then I would probably never use it again.
1: <laughs> my fingers are my niece. Um so I don't really need a mouse or pointer because I've got fingers that do that um i understand the idea there is some some level of of oh i don't know very close manipulation one can do when they have a cursor but if you're talking about you know ipad pros or well frankly most of the ipad models now can accept input from the apple pencil be it version one or version two and so i don't I don't think that we need mice on the iPad because we have either our finger, which does uh, well enough, and for you know closer manipulation of the screen, you've got the Apple Pencil, Logitech Crayon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Jeremy, your thoughts?
2: I mostly agree with you all. I I feel like if I was the 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 kind of person that uses the iPad with the external keyboard, though, I would like the trackpad. Um, but I don't. I'm not that person. So, <laughs> but yes, but absolutely. You know, I sort of. It's getting more common. I do see a lot of people out and about with sort of their iPad on one of the keyboard stands, and I think. That The reason I haven't got one of those keyboard stands is because I think it would be annoying poking up at your screen and then getting back to your keyboard. Um, So I don't really care that much. Honestly, if I had to prioritize something, this seems fine. I'm sure it's quite good for accessibility. I'm sure there's some people that that would be quite helpful. Um, For me personally... If I could prioritize something, please put in a cropping or rotating video instead. Because I, uh, you know, when you take a video, it's the wrong orientation and you can't change it. So do that instead of the pointer, please. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> those,
0: those were the options. The two things they were weighing. So that's it. Uh, that's it. That's on a big whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know what to tell you. It might, might be bad news. Um, <laughs> I think I'm with most of you. I think the, you know, the iOS in general, the sort of direct touch model seemed like it was a step. In the forward department and and sort of going back to using pointed devices seems like a little like why add that layer of abstraction. I do use a keyboard stand a decent amount. And in fact, I, I feel like I've adjusted pretty well to the like type 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 reach up touch screen so much so that I find myself doing that on my laptop. All the time like like having to physically restrain myself from something up and like smudging my screen all the time so actually what I really want is touch interfaces on my Mac uh, so if we can just turn that on its head I don't know if that comes before or after the rotating video thing but let's let's keep that in mind um, I, I think there are some precision places where you know this might be useful for pro users think about stuff like podcast editing or video editing might be more useful but as micah said the support for apple pencil really potentially gets rid of that so i, I don't know i i would not put this super high but i guess there's probably a subset of people out there who think this'll be what it takes to make this into a real computer so <laughs> good for them i guess dan i have a, I, I have a question sorry um no, when
2: you when you poke up at your screen there are you dragging or are you just tapping because i find like when my ipad if i put it in the upright position it's fine to tap on things but if i want to drag stuff around I, I, I just tip
0: it over yeah am i, I, am uh, I doing it wrong i know I, I have to do the thing where it's like i hold it with the other hand <laughs> yeah yeah, it's uh, it's it's like a full body experience. Awful. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our second topic, which comes from Heather.
3: Okay, so this one was you probably saw this coming. Um the fold has folded. It was it was Samsung's brilliant, terrible idea. Um <laughs> that unlike its last terrible incident did not go up in flames, but it it is no longer around. And um, as a tech reporter, like these, these failures are some of my favorite stories to cover. And I was just kind of wondering if anybody had any of their own favorite absolute tech disasters from the past
1: uh so i didn't keep in mind that i was going to be the first one and so i wrote down four different answers i promise i'm not going to give them all because that would be unfair and i'm not dan um so i'm just gonna give one
2: uh (laughs)
1: sorry dan love you uh so i'm gonna go with the amazon fire phone it didn't it didn't bend and break it didn't catch fire it didn't um i don't know take off a kid's hand but it was an absolute failure that was compared to what was it an et game that that they dug up and like buried yeah. the or atari, dug up a old atari
0: et it. game from the 80s yeah
1: yeah and there's got to be a place out there somewhere where amazon fire phones are slowly biodegrading one hopes in the ground um It was, I think it had like a weird no glasses 3D effect and it was pre ALEXA voice assistant. It was just all kinds of bad. And Amazon (laughs) seemed to be very, very bullish about it. And because of the way that Amazon is set up, like they could market it all over the place and everyone was just kind of like, no, we don't really want this thing. So can you just be quiet about it? And they wouldn't let it die for too long and then finally it went away and i think people were were better off for it and i can remember everybody just sort of dogging on the amazon fire phone so that's that's my favorite disaster so to speak jeremy what's yours
2: uh so i'm still harboring uh resentment about my family's first mac that we bought as a child it was a performer 6200 which uh it sort of looked like the mac lc it was one of those sort of pizza box ones where you put the monitor on top of the the tower i guess but the tower's sideways and we didn't know at the time because we didn't have the internet but apparently it was sort of notorious it was a one of a problem model maybe like the keyboards today this one was known to just be a dud that would always crash and it spent most of its life in and out of what wasn't an apple store i guess a mac repair shop at the time. It pretty much taught me everything I know about troubleshooting today, because uh, as a 12-year-old kid, you'd get the Mac back from the shop, and a week later it would break, and you'd need to disable extensions and delete preference files and all the things. So, I don't know, if this happened to Apple today, it would be a scandal, but at the time, they had thousands of Macs, it seemed, and they all looked like kind of beige boxes, so I think it probably, they had other things to worry about maybe in nineteen ninety six or so but i still feel bad about it
0: and uh if, if someone would like to reimburse my time as a child that would be great it's uh, funny i actually had a 6300 cd which was also notoriously bad definitely Ugh. had to add the logic board replaced on that it was a mess but yeah, pretty for, much. for mine i'm gonna say cast your mind back to the, the delightful year of 2005 when steve jobs got up on stage and introduced A phone that worked with iTunes. Yes, the Motorola Rocker, (laughs) R-O-K-R, was a garbage phone um, that was made in a deal with Motorola. It was basically a rebranded version of a one of their other candy bar style phones, and it was the only smartphone that worked with iTunes-protected media. And I think what is my favorite bit about this is just the fact that Steve Jobs had to go on stage and talk about this thing in glowing terms, even though, he, you know, he knew that they were building the iPhone right then. And it just, you know, it was going to take a couple more years to get it out. Uh, and while this is not the infamous incident where Steve Jobs threw a device off the stage that was, in fact, a camera, I believe, I feel like he'd, he wanted to. He really wanted to hurl this thing off the stage. Uh, it it did not it, despite the fact that it kept going until 2009 um it was not a very successful device i believe and its interface was was pretty terrible so yep uh really glad that that was a thing
3: um well so i was going to say windows phone but we've had a lot of phones so i am going to go with the nexus q which was oh, google's yeah. like $300 little media player server thing that it announced i think in like 2002 or 2012 um, and then they kind of shelved it about a year later. And I think about it a lot because I imagine also that there is a warehouse filled with these like black bowling ball devices that somebody's going to uncover in like a few hundred or thousand years and go, what? <laughs> what, what is what this? What the heck is going on here? Um, and I, you know, I thought it was really cool when it came out and I wanted one and it looked great. And it just it, it just died. And it was a little sad. So that that would be my pick.
0: That's good. There are a lot of other options. I I sort of went back and went down memory lane.
3: There were a lot of really
0: bad tech products that we could have chosen from. Uh, But we don't have the time because we are already two topics in, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by our very good friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro resources and node location. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, and that might seem a lot, but they're all looked after by Linode's incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems you can drop them an email you can give them a call you can chat over irc in the linode community if that's easier i hear they take uh pigeons ravens if you're up in the the night's watch territory (laughs) whatever suits you best uh they have super useful guides and support documentation so if you just need to quickly look something up and figure out how to do it on your own you can do that i've used many of their guides they are excellent they've got a new management panel that's now in beta at cloud.linode.com Uh, It's a single-page application built using the cutting-edge React.js stack and is backed entirely by Linode's public API, and it's all open source. Plus, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you and all your data safe and secure. Linode has pricing options to suit everybody. Their plans start at a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high-memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And linode has a special offer for you because you listen to this show you can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise 2019 to get twenty dollars towards any linode plan on that one gigabyte of ram plan that's four free months and with a seven day money back guarantee you have absolutely nothing to lose so give linode a try today that's linode.com slash clockwise and promo code clockwise 2019 to learn more sign up and make the most of that twenty dollar credit our thanks to Linode for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. That brings halftime to an end. So we turn it over to Micah. So, a Google
1: subsidiary uh, has just recently received FAA approval uh, to be an airline. And what this does, it's a drone delivery business. And now that it is approved as an airline, they are doing some tests in Virginia to do actual like package delivery to different homes. So my question for you, as we continue to see companies kind of do test programs and this one sort of do the first real deal program, uh, what are your thoughts on you know, drone delivery being a potential future for us. Jeremy, we'll start with you. Oh, this is so
2: dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's one of those sort of like visions from the 60s of the future. And, you know, we're going to be all the Jetsons and we're going to be flying in personal cars. We're going to have drones. Like, there's people who understand transport and delivery and 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 there's things that work in cities in particular where we've got the biggest issue right there's not much space for a lot of people and that's where drones don't work because there's tall buildings and narrow streets that's the sort of that's the challenging part and there's ways to handle that there's sort of cargo bike deliveries e-bikes there's you can get big trucks loaded onto smaller little vans and You can do all kinds of things in cities that are smart and use the streets efficiently and get things out there. And then in the countryside, what do you need a drone for? There's a highway to the middle of nowhere. You can just drive down the street and there's plenty of room. I I do not understand why this is considered to be a thing whether are all the companies freaking each other out thinking if amazon's doing it we've got to get in on this or is there some secret uh formula that i'm not aware of that (laughs) you know that that this is necessary for something maybe one of you is very pro drone delivery and can explain to me when a drone would be better than a car a truck uh, an e-bike anything else other than a drone Uh, i don't get it
0: Drones are always but no, that's not true. I (laughs) Yeah, I'm kinda with you. I I think this seems like one of those novelty things that like in people's heads seems a lot smarter. I get that it seems like it's potentially faster, right? There are sort of straight line paths rather than having to follow streets and whatever. But I gotta think that like, you know, certainly the stuff they're starting with now, the the drones it's it's gotta be fairly small because the drone's carrying capacity is not enormous and so potentially that could take the weight off having you know lots of cars drive around uh trucks delivery trucks showing up with all these boxes uh, if you're just ordering you know something that's that's really small and light uh and maybe that helps with pollution but i also don't feel great about all these drones buzzing around especially because we've certainly seen recently incidents with drones you know affecting things like airports uh, when people sort of maliciously decide they want to just screw with people at airports and I just don't know how I feel about the cluttering up of all the airspace. Uh, are there going to be thousands of these things just whizzing back and forth? What happens when they hit birds? What happens when they lose power suddenly and crash into the streets? Like I, I just feel like I I feel like this this pr- probably causes more problems than it actually solves. I did like the one. I guess they were testing one down in Australia. Where it delivered like espresso, and it's like, oh, good! A flying autonomous robot with hot liquid. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? Delicious. Yeah, it's just open your mouth, and it will pour it right in. It's this is this is maybe I changed my mind. I yeah, love we've that. we've done this to ourselves. It's all on us. Heather, what do you think about drones delivering all your stuff?
3: Oh, that that leads in beautifully to like the thing that I think about most about this is that I cannot wait for the first lawsuit. Like I say, you know, that espresso is dropped on your head and you're burnt. Are you going to sue the restaurant, the barista, the person who did the drone packaging, you know, before it took off, the drone company, Google? Um, there are going to be injuries, maybe a few like drone burrito deaths, and uh, there are going to be some lawsuits. <gasps> oh and it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds. I will now also defend the drones. Um in some countries, like, it's ridiculous in the U.S. and developed countries. It just doesn't make sense. But there were some really cool stories of them being used in countries where the infrastructure uh, was not great. And, you know, traveling by land in a car could take hours. And they were using it to take blood from point A to point B, um, like, eight times faster than they could drive it there or take a motorcycle. And that, that was cool. Um, it would also be interesting if the blood fell out of the sky and landed on somebody. And that is another lawsuit I would watch carefully.
1: Um all righty. So I think I've learned today that Heather's middle name is Schadenfreude. Um but other than that, I really for the most part, um yeah, I, I agree that this is one of those things where uh in many places it feels like it's solving a problem that doesn't actually exist, but in those particular places where transfusions and uh, vaccines and um, even I think I didn't see too or it wasn't too long ago that I saw something about like transplant material being taken uh, via drone. That is where I think there's some really cool stuff to this that that makes sense. Interestingly, the I can't remember which um, Virginia like government person was talking about this, like if it was a mayor or something like that in within a city or whatever, whoever it was, they were saying that they liked the idea. Oh, the county administrator was saying that it would be good because it is, it is very mountainous in Southwest Virginia. And so apparently it can be easier to fly a drone as opposed to drive those delivery trucks and in the mountains whether or not that's a good enough excuse i don't know but um, certainly an interesting thing nonetheless
2: and if we if we don't fix our uh, climate change future we might like it if we're all living in rising water levels on little islands of our own perhaps <laughs> this could actually too. be maybe that's what these tech companies are up to they can picture us all on our little floating islands with drone deliveries getting to all of us
1: they've plugged it into their ai systems and have run you know 30 40 50 years into the future full of money isn't that long and yeah that's what it's that's what it's going to be drones everywhere all right thank you all for your answers on that let's go to our last topic which comes from jeremy
2: uh, so, breaking news, uh, I am about to move from London onto a. I've, I've just bought a boat and I'm about to go live on a boat and travel around the, the countryside in the UK. Real story. Uh, and I've been selling all my stuff and all my things. Uh, it's annoying. It's really annoying selling things. I've been selling a bunch of tech stuff. Do you, does the site Gumtree exist in the US? Do any of you, have you,
0: any of you used this? It's like Craigslist. I've heard of it, but I only know it from Australia because of Australian podcasts I listen to. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I I think, I don't don't know which came first, but as far as I can
2: tell, it's like, it's it's just the same as Craigslist, but I'll put things up, I'll put my printer up, or my Airport Express up there, or, you know, things that are worth something to someone, and then... You get these sort of inquiries from people going, oh, hey, is this still available? And you're right back in one minute and say, yes, it is. And then you never hear from them again. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Who is sending these inquiries and then just never following up? Like, What is wrong with everybody? Is it me? I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> before I go on, before I fill up the rest of the time complaining about people on the internet, could you uh, tell me what you do with all your old tech stuff? Do you sell it? Do you give it away? What do you do?
0: I, I really thought this was going to be a referendum on whether or not we thought it was just you. No, Jeremy, it's, it's just you. Uh <laughs> yeah, all right, end of the it. show. Um, yeah, I, you know, you're in a weird situation where for a long time, all the tech I acquired was via work and it wasn't stuff that I was free to sell uh, because, you know, it was given to me as like review units. These days, I tend to buy much more of the tech for myself. I tend to use it a lot longer too because I'm also not on a, on a huge company's budget where I can just buy new stuff every year um so some of the stuff I've, I've decided to like get a built-in replacement for so for example i'm on the iphone upgrade program so i don't have to worry about getting rid of an old phone every year i just swap it out for a new phone and apple takes the old phone and probably sells it to somebody else for a lot of money uh on the occasions where i have sold stuff off uh i will often use gazelle or a service like that where you can essentially they make it really easy to sell off technology but they again the sort of challenge there is that it's very specific you know you can sell off like a phone or a tablet pretty easily but if you've got sort of random pieces of technology that you've accumulated it's a it's not really set up for that so i haven't really tried to do stuff on um on craigslist or the equivalent or ebay all of that strikes me it's just way more trouble than it's actually worth uh, i do know some people who have had success just putting up their own little like garage sale pages, essentially, and being like, I have these things, please feel free to go and, you know, you know, buy them directly from me rather than using any intermediary. But that's also a lot of work. So for the most part, I tend to try to get around that by just giving away my old tech, uh, whether it be to family members or friends who just, you know, need something that has outlived its usefulness for me, but possibly not for them. So yeah, or uh, in the end, I probably just end up with way more old tech than I need and eventually end up just recycling it and giving up.
3: I love the giving up angle. <laughs> um, so uh, a thing I know you can do, and I don't want to pretend I do this, is that you can donate it to like local schools and, and libraries, usually appreciate some old technology. Um, I'm still in the boat of almost all my technology being uh, like review units from companies, and it is my secret shame that haunts me. It used to be a closet in my house. Um but to avoid a divorce, I brought it to my office, where it is also still in the closet. And I need to send a lot of it back. I get a lot of emails from companies. Um, but there's also things like a bag of Nexus phones. And I don't, I don't know what to do with them. I might just like leave them on a street corner and hope somebody enjoys them. Um, but uh, back in the day, I used to do everything on eBay and you know make some cash. But I would never, ever sell a company's phone, because that is how you get fired.
1: Um, for me, I have, have sold a lot of my old Apple stuff on Gazelle. Um, others of it, I've given away to family members or friends. Um, my old, the Apple watch that I used to use before I got the new one went to my partner. My old iPad mini went to my grandma. She loves it so much. Um, and so it just depends. Uh, if I I have like, it is a sort of gut check algorithm (laughs) that I look at the price that I can get on the product. And if my gut says no, then I keep that thing and I give it to someone instead of, of selling it. And so, yeah, it just kind of depends on what it is, but gazelle has been the one that I use the most. Uh, but there is a company it's called orchard and, um, it, Gave me a little bit more money for my iPhone uh, before I went to the Apple upgrade program. Um, and so I ended up sort of comparing prices between Orchard and Gazelle. And I was able to get more money from Orchard for my phone. And then I sold uh, a MacBook on um, Gazelle and, you know, m- made a good amount of money. I tend to not like the more active approaches, like with eBay um, and things like that, because... then I have to worry about shipping and I have to worry about, you know, making sure that they pay me and have to do all of that stuff that I don't really want to have to worry about at all. So it's kind of like a mixture of being lazy and a mixture of, of determining value and then going from there to decide whether I choose to sell it or keep it, uh, and give it to someone. But yeah, I mean, when you're uh, going onto a boat, that's uh, a lot of Gotta stuff get to get rid, to rid get of. A rid lot of, of stuff. I imagine. yeah.
2: A lot of stuff to get rid of. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. Every time, I always do the thing where yeah, you look up some of these services. I sold a few things through Apple. Sort of, they've got a re- I guess a service like Gazelle where they'll buy things back off you. But then you look at the prices, and it's it's very low for some of them. Honestly, I think they gave me something like thirty pounds for my Apple Watch and. I don't know. Then, obviously, sometimes you don't want to give it to family and friends. I don't want to give someone a three-year-old Apple Watch or four-year-old mm-hmm. Apple Watch because I feel, you know, most I'd prefer them either have a good one or not one at all rather than give them something kind of low-end. So, I've done a mixture. I have done what you've said, Heather. I have uh, <laughs> I have literally sometimes when I get something that's just not worth selling, put a little sign out the front of my house, say, please take free, and I'll just put out various bits of tech, and they always go in a few hours. So Drones uh, fly by and pick it up. <laughs> <yeah. good enough. laughs> I don't know. There's no good answers, though. I think it is also
0: just me to answer all your questions. Uh. <laughs> well, we've solved that problem, at least. And the good news is that brings us to the end of our four topics. We have just enough time for our bonus topic. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about our other sponsor today. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited cloud map backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 per month. I, myself, have been the victim of a debut loss disaster. Uh, it was many years ago. The pain is still fresh. I don't like to talk about it too much, but essentially I was working on <laughs> stuff for a creative writing project and it all disappeared in a terrible cloud storage mishap. But perhaps if I'd had a Backblaze backup, that would not have been a problem. Uh, I recommend people sign up to Backblaze because it's always good to have a backup that is not in your house. God forbid anything happened to all those hard drives and computers that are in your home in one very convenient location that could be the subject of some sort of terrible mishap. Uh, It's good to have your data backed up securely off-site. So... You can sign up for a 15-day free trial with no credit card required at backblaze.com slash clockwise. Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawing projects, pretty much everything that is important to you. And Backblaze knows their stuff. They've backed up 750 petabytes and counting. That's the equivalent of 750 million gigabytes. These guys, they know their stuff. Uh, having a backup means a total peace of mind. It's the difference between a data disaster costing you hours upon hours of work and just having a hard drive with all your replacement data shipped right to you. So avoid that looming data disaster. Go to backblaze.com slash clockwise for your unrestricted retrial and let them know you heard about them here on clockwise. That's backblaze.com slash clockwise. Go there now. Thanks to backblaze for saving us from countless data disasters and for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, this week's bonus topic. This weekend marks the release of Avengers Endgame, the, like, 50,000th movie in the franchise. So, yeah, let's just do it. Who is your favorite Avenger? And if you don't have one, I'm just going to give you one. That's how it works. Heather?
3: Uh, my favorite Avenger is Thor because I am a human with vibes.) <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God, I love it. My, I think this counts Mantis. I really like Mantis. Sure. Mantis is so
2: cool. Legit. Oh, um, uh, is the Avengers the one with the little tree? I'm not (laughs) the the little tree guy. Oh wow, it's very
0: cute. Uh, and for me, eh, Captain America I'm a, I'm an old standby He's a handsome man, what can I say And he's from my neck of the woods, so that that helps too There we go, we've, we've established now Who will live and who will die Which is great And we have reached the end of our show Which means all we have to do is thank our wonderful guest Heather Kelly, thank you so much for being here this week
3: Thank you, next time it'll be even better Keep having me back
1: <laughs> <laughs> And Jeremy Burge, thanks so much for joining us
2: Thank you. I'll come to you from the uh, canals of the UK next time.
1: That's so fun.
0: (laughs) Yes. And uh, Mike and I, I guess, Mike and we should go on a boat sometime or something, but. Yeah,
1: yeah. I uh, live right next to uh, a very popular lake destination. So, man,
0: yeah, and I've got a lot of water near where I live, and probably more and more <laughs> as time goes by. Uh, oh, but I think God. we should all
2: do one, all from different boats. Yes, different Folded boat, all boat four cast. Of us on a different boat. Age. The
0: quad boat cast. Uh, <laughs> but we will not be doing that next week. So until then, I remind you: watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.